Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production, where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiny East Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. are listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. I got more Touristic U Chronicles for you today. So, uh, yeah, I'll just go ahead and, well, before I get started, this is it. <laughs> the big end to Cal's Truth. They're about to pick a fight with the uh, Touristicus. They met this quad helix named Maker, and uh, he is uh, reprogramming their replicators to print guns, basically. And uh, yeah, so uh, they are about to have it out with their uh, with their captors. So uh, let's see how this story ends. When the last batch of prisoners began to file into the room, she noticed Krenork slip in at the last moment. She was glad to see him. It saved her a trip to find him in the isolation units. She was still pretty damaged from the day before. Grabbing a tray, he pushed his way through the line. It wasn't unusual behavior for an Orkandu. He came up to Cal and dropped his tray in front of her. How did you avoid the isolation units? I told them about the escape plan in the refinery. One or can do protein meal unit coming up? She smiled and nodded to Siular. Siular dropped his tray on the large reptilian creature that Grenork fought on her first day in the prison. The creature roared and diverted the attention of both guard and prisoner alike. Cal turned back to her replicator. Hayden ignored the hungry prisoner and ran towards Cal. 
All eyes were fixed on the scuffle. They didn't see the guns being pumped out of Cal's replicator. Cal threw a weapon towards Granark and then Hayden. By the time a guard turned to see the commotion, it was already too late. Granark was the first to open fire on the Touristicu upstairs. A stream of projectile fire slammed through the grate. Some of the bolts connected to their targets, others ricocheted off the grate and hit a prisoner. As the guards dropped, the others pulled out their weapons and started firing back. Once Cal was finished distributing guns to her team, she programmed her replicator to produce weapons continually. The other prisoner saw the mass of weapons piling up and rushed to grab one. A mob jumped the counter and a swarm appeared around her replicator. She sprayed around bullets at the Touristicus upstairs. She saw one of them drop and wondered if she killed him. She had never killed anyone in her life. This was nothing like killing the animals who honorably gave their meat. That guard could have a family, if Touristicus even had families. She ducked under one of the tables for cover, spraying more bullets at the ceiling. Hayden, Seelar, and Granork were pinned down in various locations throughout the room, firing in short bursts. Even Sid had joined the fray. Hath-Noel had refused a weapon and applied his goop to the wounded. Both Touristicus and prisoners avoided firing at him. The guns firing back at the Tristicus began to multiply. Soon, though the Tristicus had better training and a variety of projectile, plasma, and laser weapons, the sheer number of inmates was beginning to overwhelm them. She took more calculated shots, surveying the scene and firing whenever she had an opening. She saw a Tristicus sniper perch on one of the railings of some stairs. He was picking off prisoners one by one. She saw him point his gun at Hath Null. She couldn't believe what she was seeing. Hath Null had done nothing to provoke his aggression. She charged Hath Null and knocked him out of the way. A bullet tore through Hath Null's shoulder. She tumbled under the table. Hath Null lay in the open, writhing, bleeding to death. She crawled towards him and the sniper bullet grazed her hair. Another prisoner tried to assist Hath Null and his head exploded. She couldn't believe they would strike down a healer, much less use him as bait. But they did. She remembered her village and the cries of the men, women, and children. She no longer thought of the Touristicus as just another star species and knew now that they didn't have families. They couldn't. They couldn't feel love. They were abomination. She wanted to annihilate them. Suddenly, in the midst of the chaos, there was an explosion. A Touristicus trooper had launched a grenade at the replicator, which was still producing guns. The explosion tore through prisoner and machine alike. More Touristicu guards took up strategic positions. The guards were methodically wiping out any armed and unarmed prisoners without cover. Once the supply of gun was halted, the odds tilted back towards the Touristicus. The battle was already lost. She didn't account for the fact that her enemy simply needed to cut off the supply of weapons. She had lost the will to fight and wanted to be next to Hathol and help him. The door leading to the cesspool burst open. Maker stood in the doorway with upwards of twenty weapons spread throughout the cords of his arms. The threads all had separated and untangled into individual strands. Some of the strands propped up and aimed the guns, others were on the triggers. He was a walking battle station. Sorry I'm late. Picking up twenty guns is harder than you think. Maker opened fire in twenty directions at once. Hayden, Grenork, and a handful of living prisoners joined the onslaught. The Tristicus dropped like felled trees under a woodsman's axe. In the matter of moments, all the guards and the grates were down. There was an eerie silence from above. The prisoners cried out a cheer, and Cal rushed to Hathnol.
Where did you get those? Hayden remarked. Maker smiled as the cords began to weave back into his normal arm shape and the guns clattered to the floor. After I hacked the replicators, I had some time, so I made a few spares for myself. A, a few spares? Hayden said in disbelief. Hathmill gripped Cal's hand. You must go. No, Cal said. I can't leave you here. You know I can't climb. We must go, Grenork said. One moment, Cal yelled, and everyone fell silent. You have to leave me. He's right, Hayden said gently. R replicators, Cal said. What? We, we, we can't wait around to hack another one. N no, Maker said replicators, as if he hacked them all. That's right, Maker said. Why would I only hack just one? I you mean, Hayden said, they all could have been making weapons? I said I could hack one, maybe more if I had time. It turns out I had plenty of time. It's not my fault that you didn't check. Quiet, Cal commanded and everyone fell silent. We don't have a lot of time before they start sending reinforcements, so listen up. After replicating some basic supplies and a sling for Granork to carry half null, they all set the replicators to produce weapons until the raw material ran dry. After seeing how useful Maker had been, Granork didn't argue with Cal's decision to take the crippled bug. Some of the prisoners decided to follow Cal and her group. Others went off on their own. It wouldn't be long until the entire prison would be locked into the combat. Some of the prisoners wanted to take over the space station and claim it for themselves. The Turisticus had massive battle fleets and could wipe out entire worlds. If the prisoners succeeded in taking over the space station, it was only a matter of time before a fleet arrived or they blew up the station. Cal knew that they needed to sneak away quickly and quietly. So she let the chaos flow from the cafeteria to the halls. Prisoners began to take arms and skirmishes broke out all over the space station. There was only one part of the space station Cal cared about, and that was the doctor's corridor. While spaceships could theoretically dock on just about any part of the station, the doctor's wing was where they would probably have access to a ship that wasn't heavily guarded. When Cal and Grenork crashed the Quahelix research lab, Cal remembered that it took longer than usual for Turisticu intervention. There also had to be a ship because the doctor always seemed to have fresh batches of medical supplies, new equipment, and new bodies. While she could be leading her team into a dead end, it was better than what was going on in other parts of the station to cross the egg-shaped cell block to get to the shaft that would lead them to the doctor. Riots had broken out in all levels by now, and prisoners were throwing grenades and firebombs into the food slots of the maximum security cells that held Turisticu prisoners. She would have torched a few herself if they weren't attempting to find the quickest exit. Let them burn for their crimes. In the higher levels, the giant spiral ring of cells was ablaze with gunfire, explosions, plasma waves, and chaos. The Turisticus were gunned off their floating disks and prisoners fell from the ceiling. They had to dodge through the chaos to get to the doorway on the other side. Two Turisticus were standing guard at the door. Granork took them out before they even saw Cal's party. Blood pooled from their thick hide. An explosion took out several levels of the spiral rockway. Bodies and debris rained from above. They all rushed into a shaft while the room collapsed behind them. 
They each pulled out a floating disc they had looted from the Touristicues and floated upwards. The sound of a firefight had grown distant. The endless corridors of the doctor's wing were eerily silent. The guards and prisoners avoided the area. It was as Cal thought. People were heading for the control room, the Touristicue living quarters, and the armories. The mad doctor was ignored for the time being. The prisoners would eventually come this way after they secured the station. But by the time the doctor would have escaped, unless Cal commandeered his ship first. Cal was banking on the fact that the doctor didn't have any loyal to the Tristicues and wouldn't wait for rescue. He's probably packing up his research into his vessel and would be gone before the fighting even grew near. They ventured into the empty corridors, rounding each corner with weapons drawn until they finally arrived at the doctor's passage. The doors were ajar. It was eerily silent. The room where Maker had been imprisoned was still trashed. There were broken instruments and glass scattered on the floor. A low rumble shook the place from another explosion in a distant part of the building. Cal wondered how much more the structure could take until they breached the hall of the space station. There was a rustle from one of the rooms at the end of the corridor. They inched their way forward, guns drawn. A touristicue burst forth from one of the rooms, holding a glass tank in one arm and a crate in the other. It saw them and dropped the tank and the crate. Glass shattered and an eel flopped to the ground, its gills straining for oxygen. The Tristicue was unharmed and stepped back. Cal's group lowered their weapons. She didn't lower hers. She walked towards the terrified Tristicue. The tables were now turned, just as her family had cowered in their fear their last moments before their death. This foul beast was cowering before its end. Cal hated everything this soldier represented. He may not be Machiarnik, but who knows how many this soldier slaughtered under tyrants like their leader. The Turisticue deserved no pity. No Turisticue did. Cal pressed her gun to the forehead of the trembling creature and pulled the trigger. The top of the Turisticue's head exploded and blood splattered over her face. The others turned away. Cal stood over the body, feeling a triumph in her heart. The crate was carrying something that said, Caldehawk samples, dash, half-human. She had heard the doctor correctly, then noticed something disturbing about the Tristicue. The thick, black hide of the Tristicue wasn't skin at all. It was armor. She'd noticed a half-human head on the inside of what used to be a helmet. She recognized the jawline and the gold and silver teeth with black rot. It was Dr. Fesslerk. He had been wearing armor. Why didn't you tell me? She turned to Hayden, half sobbing, half angry, in his attempt to calm her with a gentle touch. What? I'm... I'm half Turisticue. They found the doctor ship quickly. It was a tiny science craft with some labs and a large airless storage bay. Maker had disabled the security protocols easily enough, and Hayden could pilot the vessel even though it was clunky and old. The group was anxious to get a safe distance from the prison. If the Touristicue military fleet arrived, their ship wouldn't stand a chance. Once everyone was on board, Hayden detached the ship from the hall and they began to drift away. The prison was a breathtaking sight from the outside. Even though Cal had no room in her heart to marvel at it, the station was a massive structure that dwarfed the size of her village. There were several giant funnels that collected asteroids and broke them down. They were the source of the ore in the refinery. There was an asteroid belt near enough to the station to skim smaller ones from the edge while avoiding the larger ones that could damage the hull. 
There were several plasma cannons pointed towards the asteroid belt to break down any large rocks that happened to stray. Robotic probes were flinging smaller asteroids from inside the belt towards the collection funnels. Maker and Hayden decided to maneuver the ship to drift at the same course and speed as a larger asteroid, so when the Touristicu fleet arrived, their presence would not be detected. Then they would drift until they could use their engines again. They waited for Cal's approval of the plan, but her mind was occupied elsewhere. Maker and Hayden decided to let her rest and proceeded on their own. Sealar and Granork asked Cal about her plan for getting the tracking devices removed from their bodies. Cal didn't respond. They decided to ask her another time. Cal had wandered to the only bedroom on the ship where Hath Noel was recovering from his wound. Luckily, the bullet had passed right through him, so they only needed to patch him up and wait for the goop to heal the wounds. He was asleep. She sat down on the chair and pulled up a computer station. Typing in a search command, she clicked on the document she found. It was an article on the origin of the word Turisticu. It was the Agredrenial word for the Great Terrorizer. Unlike the articles from the prison library, this article didn't leave anything out. The human empire spans over 300 systems. The Agredren were some of the first races to fall. The name of their oppressors have stuck ever since. The Turisticus are feared throughout the galaxy, and they expand their territory through force, subterfuge, and crushing economic might. Their society favors only those at the top and exploits even the humans at the bottom. While the word Turisticu is usually reserved for humans in armor, make no mistake, a human without armor can be just as dangerous. Cal turned off the screen and sat on the floor next to Hath Noel. She pulled out her father's patch. It was the patch of a Turisticu army. Her eyes were heavy and she felt drained. It didn't take long for her to fall asleep. This time, her dream wasn't about the massacre of her village, or the torture from Dr. Fesslerk. She had a nightmare about herself. She wore the Terrestrial armor, and the body of her mother was at her feet. Alright, that is the end. So, now you know what Cal's truth is, huh? Uh, <laughs> didn't name that one an accident, huh? <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> Yeah, if uh, you would like to hear more, of course, I'm going to be starting Hayden's Mistake. That's part three in this series. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm just going to keep uh, once again reading these until we catch up. And then, you know, once I get to part eight, if I haven't got into part nine, to writing part nine yet, that is, I'll just uh, go ahead and... Uh, read part nine after I write it. So I'll, I'll make sure that all you here on the podcast are, are taken care of. You'll get to <laughs> hear the stories as I write them, but, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Tune in next time. And, and, uh, uh, yeah, watch out for, uh, those humans in armor that makes them look like touristicues. Cause I hear they're big meanies. Uh, anyways, <laughs> take a look at some of the, uh, stuff on the real paranormal activity network and uh and 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 also uh have a good night and and don't forget to download the rpa app it's in the app store that way you can listen to everything and, and you could probably just look for touristic you chronicles and just listen to them one after another if you want to just go ahead and go through them all like you know binge listen i guess 
uh, <laughs> Sci-Fi Saturdays. Ah, there you go. Sci-Fi Saturdays. I said it here first. Anyways, have a good night, and uh, I will, uh, of course, see you all at another time, in another place, in a galaxy far, far away. Good night. <laughs>